I love it that we're here to celebrate on Christmas Day. Today is the day that we commemorate the Savior's birth. Luke 2, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And wouldn't you be if an angel showed up to talk to you? Let's pray before we talk about the words that the angel spoke to these shepherds on that night. Father, we invite your presence to come. We invite your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, I'm so grateful that these people are here because it means that they want to honor you. This is a busy day with so much family stuff. But the family of God is so important that we would see one another, love one another. And Jesus, it's all because of you that we found salvation and we found the best life possible on this earth. Holy Spirit, come and move in our hearts and may our love grow for you from this time to the time this service ends. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I just wanna look at this passage and bring out a few quick thoughts. The first is this, do not be afraid. That's what the angel spoke and said to them in Luke 2.10. Do not be afraid. This is a season where it's, it's fun and good things happen, but it's also a season where we're reminded of some things that are not so good. If a family member died this year, this is a tough one for you, isn't it? If you've had some difficult circumstances or some tough economic times, sometimes this, this season will highlight the hardship. And yet... I believe God would speak to you today, no matter what you're going through, and say, do not be afraid. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Now here he is, this is the one we're celebrating today, wonderful counselor. Whatever it is you need advice for, whatever wisdom you need, he's so willing to give it to you today. Mighty God, he has the power within his hand to do whatever he speaks or wants or desires. Everlasting Father, here's this God that has all wisdom and all power, and he says, you can call me Daddy. Abba, Father. That means his heart and his mind is on you. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says we're the apple of his eye. And the idea of the apple of the eye is uh, is, is, is that you're at the very center of what he thinks and feels. You take a picture of a little child sitting on a lap, and I remember a story of a child sitting on her daddy's lap, and she says, Daddy, I know what you're thinking about. He said, what? She said, me. <laughs> he said, that's right. How did you know that? She said, because I can see me in your eyes right now. And that's the way that our Abba Father, Daddy God, feels about it. You are on his heart and mind, and he has the ability and to give you all that you need with his power and his wisdom. And then the word says, Prince of Peace, in Isaiah 9. Whatever you're going through, he will give you peace. I have found that God um, will do one of two things if you're in a storm. And you know, we all face storms in our lives, right? You know nobody gets to escape all the storms. No Christian. We all face them. But he'll do one of two things. He'll either deliver you from the storm or he'll walk through that storm with you. Either way, he'll bring you out immediately or walk through it with you till you come out. But he's the prince of peace who can calm your heart so that you're not worrying. He can speak to the winds and the waves like he did in the New Testament to say, peace, be still. I wanna take a moment to mention uh, a very important um, 
class that's coming up that we call Life's Healing Choices. On January 15th, it starts, and it's, it's for those who, who have, are facing difficulty right now, a hurt, a hang-up, a habit. Uh, it, can, it can be from forgiveness to something that's gripped your life like anger. It, it, it can be addiction, but, but these are all principles to heal us if we've been hurt and we're not able to move forward the way we want to because of that hurt. There are eight life-transforming choices that Jesus outlines in his sermon in the New Testament. And, and those principles are gonna be shared in that class. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're going through something that's hard, would you think about getting into that class with Bill and Sandy Leach who teach that and let them just invest in you and pour into your heart and life those principles and bless you to help you come out on the other side of it because whatever you're facing, Jesus is the answer. He's the solution because he's the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. Then the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. And that's the second thought. I, when we think of Jesus, this is, this is good news. It's great, great joy. I, I tell you, uh, when I think of some of the happiest times in my life and some of the greatest events that have ever happened in this world for me, the first one I think of is a young lady who was born on November 8th, 1962. I was two years old. I probably didn't rejoice that day, but I didn't know she was gonna be my wife. I didn't know her till a long time later. But that, to me, when I think of that moment, that's one of the greatest moments in life, that Karen Schmidt, now Russell, it's funny, when we got married, her grandma signed a check to Stan and Karen Schmidt, so that, you know, it was a message right, right, right away. But she became a Russell that day, actually. But what, you know, what an amazing gift. The Bible says that a, a wife is, uh, it, when you find a wife, you find a wonderful thing. That's a, it's a gift from God. And that, that birth, that, I mean, when I think of that, that's one of the greatest days that I can think of. And then I think of when my kids were born, Aaron and Candace, and I can't tell you how happy I was. I can't tell you what I felt like when I saw those little guys for the first time, that little boy and that little girl, and how my heart loved them and would die for them right away. Those are amazing moments for me in life. And as incredible as those moments are, and I know you can relate, I can see the smiles on your faces, that you have people that you love and those are great days. There's no day that can ever get close to matching the day that Jesus Christ was born. Because not only would it be wonderful for me and for you, but all mankind could be saved and delivered. Today is the day that we're celebrating this incredible Savior. Isaiah 61 Verse one, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. This is prophecy about Jesus and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The savior of the world had come into the world. God come down from heaven. Today, a Savior is born to you, it says, and that's the third thought I have for you today. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. God only had one plan to deliver us from our sins. He only had one story that he was writing to bring salvation to us, and it came through his son, Jesus Christ, and that was the beginning he was faithful from that day until the day he was crucified, 33 years later. The faithful high priest tempted in all manner, but without sin. 
The spotless lamb of God, the prophets would say, because he would die once for all. No more sacrifice for sin was needed. Anyone who would receive that Jesus Christ was the spotless lamb, that Jesus Christ is the savior, anyone that would ask forgiveness and invite Jesus into their heart could now be saved. Today, a savior is born. We're celebrating today on the day that's commemorating his birth. He came to this earth. Not everyone realized it. Not everyone realizes it. Some years ago, a cartoon appeared in newspapers across uh, the United States and it pictured two farmers in Kentucky standing in a field of snow as uh, the snow fell softly. And one turned to the other and said, anything exciting happened today? Nah, nothing exciting, said the other farmer. Oh yeah, there was a baby born over at Tom Lincoln's home, but nothing exciting ever happens around here. But that baby born in that home that day to Tom Lincoln became the president of the United States. He changed the course of history and liberated slaves, and they didn't know. That was an important man. He was used of the Lord. Jesus coming is a day that so many have missed in a similar way, but so much more important because he is the savior of the world. He is the one true king. The baby that lay in the manger was the miracle we call the incarnation. God became man without ceasing to be God. The creator of the world became a child. Jesus Christ had more influence on this world. Now think of this. Even if you don't believe in him and Savior, you have to admit this. He's had more influence on this world than any other person ever born. That's because he is the Savior of the world. And here's the good news in a nutshell, John three sixteen and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave, talk about a Christmas gift, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, that's not why he came, but to save the world through him. Today, a savior was born to us. Fourth thought, you can know this for sure. Here's what it says. The angel said to them, this will be a sign to you. And they gave, gave a prophecy, because that's what it was. It hadn't happened then, right? Speaking, it's going to happen, you're gonna see it. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Let me list a few of the prophecies about Jesus Christ and give you a thought here today. Do you realize that his birth right down to the last detail was a fulfillment of hundreds of Old Testament prophecies? I mean, to, to think that you, you have to disengage your intelligence and your mind to come to Jesus is ridiculous. If you really look at history and really look at these prophecies that are bona fide, written down in manuscripts that can be dated and known, you realize you don't have to disengage your mind to come to Jesus. You do have to engage your heart. You do have to have faith to reach out to believe. But then you'll find that he'll reach back to you. But you can use your brain too. The prophecies about Jesus were written between 1450 B.C. and 430 B.C. Manuscripts have been found to prove that they were written at least 400 to 1,000 years before he was born. It'd be difficult enough to predict something even five years away, let alone four to 15 centuries away, especially with the degree of detail and the 100% accuracy that these have. Now, let me just list a few. By the way, there's a few hundred prophecies about Jesus Christ coming. 60 of them major specific, but we don't have time to do all 60, so let me do a few that relate to this day. It was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. 
You see the scriptures up there. If you can write fast enough and you want to know this, you can actually catch this on the podcast too if you want to look back later and look up these scriptures. He, secondly, he would be born of a virgin. This is the Christmas story. He would be worshipped by shepherds. We're reading about that today. He would be worshipped and presented gifts by kings and wise men. In Psalm 72 and Matthew 2, we can see that, that it happened. There'd be weeping for the children. It was even prophesied that Herod would, would, would cause the death of many and cause all the mothers in the land to be weeping. I mean, how in the world can you, can you know these things are going to happen? There's only one way prophesied that they would flee to Egypt and I mean think about it uh, when you think of Nazareth and Egypt and and Bethlehem all you say how does he come from all three of those areas well when you look at the, his history and his young life they had to flee to Egypt and it said that that he would come out of Egypt and he did because he had to flee there as a child and then it said that he would be called Lord which we've seen now, I want to just challenge you if you don't think that's that hard to do I challenge you, if you have a lack of faith to believe these things have happened, predict the birth of a future president. Predict where he'll be born, where his family will move to while he's young. Just do it now, 100 years ahead of time, before he gets here. Predict where he'll move again, where he'll grow up. Predict a major tragedy that will happen during his childhood because of his life. You can't. That's ridiculous, isn't it? There's no way you could do it because it's impossible. The odds are astronomical that you could even be close. But that's what was prophesied. That's what was given and spoken about the life of Jesus Christ. And you can read it historically. And it's documented in those manuscripts from long ago. You can know for sure. And the last thought today, he's worthy of our praise. Luke 2.13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. One of my favorite Christmas stories is a true story about a young man named William Sperling. He was a seventh grader. He was big for his age and he was, he was slow mentally. But he was a good boy and all the kids liked him. He was actually kind of popular because of his, his uh, positive spirit. When it came time for the Christmas program to be presented, William wanted to be a shepherd, but he was too big. He was way bigger than the other kids. And so uh, they decided that he'd have to be the innkeeper because he was so large and he could have that intimidating voice and look. So the director gave him the task of being that rough, mean innkeeper in the play. When Mary and Joseph came to the inn on the play that night and they knocked on the door, William Sperling opened the door up. And when they asked for a place to stay, he said harshly the way he was supposed to one of his lines, there's no place for you to stay. There's no room in the inn. And then Joseph said, but my wife is tired and weary and she's expecting a baby. Isn't there just a small room where we could rest? Once again, William Sperling playing the innkeeper in his rough voice said, you'll have to find somewhere else. There's no room in the inn for you. And once more, Joseph pleaded for some place that they might stay that night. Then a long pause came about, one of those pauses that became embarrassing for everyone at the play as they were watching. Everybody was sure that William had forgotten his line. And you could hear from the back the prompter saying, no, be gone, no, be gone, as she was giving him his line. Finally, William said in a soft, sad voice, no, be gone. And Mary and Joseph 
turned to leave with that forlorn look, but as they did, suddenly William Sperling, this mentally challenged young man, regained his voice and said, wait a minute, you can stay in my room and I'll sleep in the shed. And the director thought, oh no, stunned silence in the crowd. He's ruined the play. And then in her heart, she realized that he had communicated the real truth of Christmas. Because what Jesus did is said, he came to us and said, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to your place and you can come to my place. I'm gonna go to your place so you can come to my place. He came from heaven. He gave his life. Have you praised him with your life? Will you praise him, the King of Kings?